This week's guest on My Life in Stories is Suzanne Kearney. I put out a question on my Instagram over the weekend asking who people would like to see interviewed and Suzanne's name came up. So we've delivered and here she is. Suzanne, you are very welcome to the podcast. Oh, thanks, Maria. I'm delighted to be here. It's great to have you on now and I think we're going to have a great chat. So, um, oh, with, hopefully, <laughs> when the suggestion came in to get you on, I actually decked that I had already seen you. Um, I think Dr. Laura GP mentioned you last week, so it's kind of funny, it kind of feels like the stars are aligning here, or just by chance, yeah, yeah absolutely. So, um, you're, um, would it be right in saying I don't want to categorize you into any category at all, but are you a women's health physio or how would you describe yourself? Yeah, so I suppose I would call myself a women's men's and pelvic health physio. And I know that's a really long, complicated title, but it just means that I would treat men's health and children's continence as well as women's health things as well. Okay, okay. Um, and do you want to tell me a bit about your background in uh, physio and your experience so far so are you long working in physiotherapy yeah yeah um I finished school and then went off to Galway to do um a degree in biomedical science and IT and when I did that my major there was anatomy um, but I always knew I wanted to do physio. So when I finished in Galway, I went to Manchester to study physio. I was there yes. for three years and it was so much fun. I loved it. And there was, funnily enough, so many Irish people in my class. Yeah. And then after that, I was lucky enough to get a permanent job in Manchester. Um, and it was kind of during the recession. So I was really, really lucky. Um, so I worked in Manchester then for... Uh, another three years and then moved to Australia my um, then boyfriend now husband was working in Dublin so we were doing a long distance commute back and forth um, and he was working in construction so he lost his job and went to Australia and yeah he went out first and I have been made senior in the job in Manchester so I stayed there for a while and then I headed out to join him and we were there for seven years Oh, wow. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it was during that time, actually, I got interested really properly in women's health. I had done a little bit of it in England. Um, I actually was specialising in respiratory in England and a lot of respiratory patients that are chronic coughers would get um, incontinence problems and prolapse because of the cough and the pressure. So I was starting to see a bit of it. Um, but in Australia, it was just so much more common to discuss problems like that and for people yeah. to seek treatment so yeah I got into it there and then there was um a master's in that area of physiotherapy in the in Perth where we were living um and I, I guess didn't know more than me coming up the same time as Dr Laura the stars were aligned there because yeah. it's the best masters throughout the world in this area of physio like the teaching is just phenomenal so I did that had a baby out there and yeah I was lucky I worked in a brand new hospital I was able to set up the women's health service in that hospital which was brilliant and then we decided it was time to move home after seven years and just because we were missing out on so much family stuff and we wanted our kids to know their aunties and uncles and grandparents so we came home 
So Suzanne, just on your Instagram bio, I noticed that you had, say, pelvic health, men, women, children. To people that wouldn't know, myself included, what does that mean as in across the three? So the men, women and children as regards pelvic health. I didn't even know it was a thing, to be honest. (laughs) I knew with women, but I didn't know with men and children. So do you want to go into that? Yeah, sure. So women's pelvic health then, I suppose the patients I see are the ones that are pregnant, are after having a baby, um, women that are going through the menopause, um, high level athletes. So anyone that would have any kind of leakage of urine, um, leakage from the back passage, prolapse symptoms, so heaviness in the vaginal area, women that have pain with sex, women that have a gap in their tummy muscles, any kind of pelvic pain. Um, basically anything that's kind of to do with the reproductive system, I suppose. Um, okay. Then in terms of men, it's generally men that have had their prostate out. Uh, there's a huge percentage of men that have their prostate removed they have erectile dysfunction and leakage of urine afterwards. Yeah. Um, and physio can really help with that. Um, sometimes I would see some athletes as well um, that would have like groin pain that's not being treated with traditional musculoskeletal physio and needs internal work done. Okay. Um, and I suppose that kind of difference, differentiates um, a regular physio to a pelvic health physio. We do internal examinations, but either vaginally or rectally. Um, I would do a lot with the ultrasound as well if people aren't comfortable with internal examinations. And then children, obviously we wouldn't do an internal examination on them, but I would treat um, bedwetters, kids that withhold going to the toilet for a poo, kids that when they start giggling, they wet themselves, um, kids that struggle to get toilet trained. Um, So anything like that, anything really like that. Um, is what I would deal with I also do um, an area of physio that really nobody else in Ireland is doing up until two weekends ago I taught a course on it so there's some physios in Ireland doing it now and um, we do treatment for breastfeeding um, okay. so anyone that has mastitis or crack nipples I can do treatments for that um, right you're so- a godsend to women Suzanne <laughs> <laughs> this is this is fascinating I had absolutely no idea and um, that this was all you you know that came under pelvic health and yeah breast care so sorry go on yeah yeah I suppose the name really doesn't clarify what we do um and it's only when you get talking to people and you say all the things they're like oh my goodness yeah. I had no idea and I'm a nurse <laughs> <laughs> um Okay, and um, so I put it out on my Instagram and I had a good few questions in. So I might just ask you a few of them if that's okay with you, Suzanne. Yeah, of course, yeah. So um, one, one girl asked me, she said, in relation to pelvic floor exercises, how often and how, how often do I need to do them and how do I know if I'm doing it right? She's expecting herself at the minute, her first baby. Okay, so um, the way I kind of say to do anything whether it be exercise just generally or the pelvic floor is if you wanted to lose weight and you were bad five days a week and good two days a week you probably wouldn't lose weight Mm -hmm. but if you were good five days a week and bad two days a week you probably would so I kind of say the same for exercise you should definitely do exercises at least five days a week 
a little bit and often, particularly when you're pregnant. It's not about doing lots or, or a big workout twice a week. It's about doing a little bit regularly and do, not to beat yourself up if you miss a day. Um, pelvic floor wise, the idea is that you would do aim for about 30 contractions, so 30 pelvic squeezes um, yeah. over the course of the day. But you can break them down into groups of five or groups of 10, depending on how strong her pelvic floor is. Um, okay. The way that you kind of know if you're doing them correctly or not. Firstly, you can take out a little hand mirror and have a look at what's happening in between your legs. You should be able to see a little lift up and in if you are doing them correctly. And I kind of tell my patients to imagine that they're stopping the flow of urine and stopping gas escaping at the back. Okay. Um, and then you could, you'll just feel a gentle lift up and in. Okay. On the whole, I would say all women need a little bit of training with their pelvic floor. So if there's any worries, particularly in pregnancy and after having a baby, it's a good idea to come and be assessed by a women's health physio. Okay. Um, I think that's good to know, Suzanne. Um, and it'll give a reassurance because, you know, being a first time mother, it's I, I don't know what I've never experienced it, but I'm sure it's fairly daunting. So to have an insight into that, because some of my friends who have had babies, they just I say everything has totally changed. And I think people get a bit funny when it you know comes to that area and they, they want to know the um the answers or whatever, but they're afraid to ask. So yeah. I'm glad you've addressed it here now tonight. Oh, yeah. And like there's so many really good women's health physio accounts to follow on Instagram that there's so much information out there and there's no no such thing as a stupid question. So we're all happy to take a DM from someone and answer a question. So, you know, the the main thing is about getting it out there that it shouldn't be an embarrassing topic. You know, it's it's normal to wonder about these things and there's so much help out there. Exactly. Exactly. Um, Suzanne, another girl asked, um, after having a baby, so she's about a year post, um, is it ever too late to rectify pelvic floor issues? In other words, I suppose, do undo any damage that may have been done? Absolutely not. You're never, ever, ever too late. Um, I would have people come in in their 80s and 90s and they assume when I talk about pelvic floor exercises at the start they're like you know I can't get down on the floor to do exercise and they're like no 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 it's exercises of specific muscles called the pelvic floor it's honestly (laughs) never ever ever too late and there is obviously the sooner we get started the better but there's always something that can be done I would advise finding your local women's health physio booking in for a postnatal check because once you've had a baby you're always postnatal and it doesn't stop when your child is one Um, yeah and now currently there's a lot of online options as well so even if they aren't comfortable getting out and seeing a physio face to face they could do an online consult which fair enough doesn't have the hands-on practical element but there's still a whole lot of information that they can gain from it Um, and the vaginal examination is kind of the gold standard though well, that's helpful to know that it isn't, as you said, it's not too late. And um, that'd be step one, um, looking into uh, f- uh, women's physio. Yeah, yeah. So uh, that's great. Another girl asked, Suzanne, I don't know what this is. I've never heard of it. Um, diastasis recti after first pregnant pregnancy. Uh, she's pregnant again. 
is there anything she should be doing now um I suppose to clarify what it is first um diastasis abdominis recti so you might see rad um it's basically the gap in your tummy muscles so in order for a baby to grow your six-pack muscles have to move out to the side and your linea alba which is if you think of a bodybuilder they have like a defined line down the middle and then their six-pack muscles lie on either side of it that linea alba is um just a piece of tissue that has to thin out and stretch it's almost like a bit of cling film to okay. allow the baby to grow it, every single woman that's had a baby will have some element of diastasis after they've had their child um, yes. normal healing occurs up to eight weeks after you have a baby and you would assume and hope that the muscles will be coming back together to a certain point but also that when you feel in the midline so that line down the middle like from your belly button up to your sternum and from your belly button down to your pubic bone that it wouldn't be too soft that you'd meet resistance when the body is put under a little bit of pressure so the way we would um, measure it is get the lady to start to do a little sit up and see how those muscles react yeah Um, it's really common that people have it and they don't realize it and it might only become apparent the next time they have their baby the biggest thing I would say is not to be doing any kind of jackknife movement. So um, at this point, log roll in and out of bed. Don't just sit yourself straight up because that puts a lot of pressure through the stomach. Um, mm. Don't do any heavy lifting if possible. So depending on how old the other child is, like trying to avoid lifting the other child. Um, and again, it just it's very hard to say when you haven't seen the person but it's a good idea to get checked out by a women's health physio um and like it's not that you have to go privately all the time um there's there's um the public system as well in the hospitals um and there's many many private ones around the country so i think it is a good idea to get checked out if it's something that's bothering the person okay okay that's really interesting because i've never heard of that before um another girl asked you are a general physio as well Suzanne and are you specifically do you work solely in the women's health uh, well men's pelvic and children's pelvic yeah you're solely in that yeah so once after I um did my master's I really specialize in them that like I'm a clinical specialist in that area so if you came to me with like a sore ankle or a dodgy shoulder I'm probably not the best person to see you okay just because you you really hone in your skills on one area and then you don't keep up your skills in another area so and I spent some time over there in Australia myself and the health service it's you know quite um advanced um even as regards patient nurse ratio we it would have been less over there so I'm sure you had a great experience in Perth yeah education and that yeah 100% um I suppose there was the the work-life balance is kind of one side of things so the Australians really believe that you shouldn't just come to work and do your nine to five grind all the time like there was a lot of um activities put into the day um I was telling the girls that work in the hospital the other day that if you did some exercise at your lunchtime you kind of 
like like that was really looked as a favorable thing and you would get a little bit of time off for that um so lifestyle was very different over there and i suppose in terms of treating patients they weren't used to having waiting lists because everybody was really proactive about their health they weren't waiting until things got really really bad and then needed to be seen for a long time many many times they were more keen to come in and get on top of things straight away so that allowed us to have a lot of time with our patients and we just had so many options and equipment Um, water-based stuff was huge in Australia along with Pilates Um, they're a very exercise orientated country so yeah they really are unlike here when it's kind of like oh I'll go if I'm in dire straits yeah whereas they are more kind of the preventative um, mind frame yeah prevention is better than cure yeah okay people had private health insurance over there as well so they made sure that they utilized it to get their physio or their dental or their optical or whatever they needed okay okay so you came back then from australia when did you come back to ireland and we came home in december 2017 just before christmas um so I sometimes I say we're just back from Australia and then I think oh my god no we're home quite a while um, yeah I was pregnant when we were moving back and then I had a little boy um in August of 2018 um so I didn't in I didn't start work really until after I had Fionn um I had a job lined up coming home I had done Skype interviews and everything but unfortunately the clinic went bust so I never ended up working in that job but, you know, it was all for the best. Like everything happens for a reason. Um, it really gave me the push to start the clinic. That was my plan coming home anyways, was to start my own business. Um, and then after Fionn was born, um, the day I was being discharged, the midwife gave me a, a booklet about my, you know, doing my pelvic floor exercises. And we got talking about what I did. And I ended up getting a call about coming to do some work in Castle Bar. So... I've been doing that part-time while building up the clinic as well. So, Suzanne, another uh, listener has asked if it's common to have lower back pain or bad posture after having a baby and your core strength, would it be? Yeah, absolutely. So if you think of your trunk like a canister you have your diaphragm at the top and you have your pelvic floor at the bottom and the pelvic floor is like the scaffolding that keeps everything in you have your back muscles and then you have your uh, tummy muscles at the front if an element of that canister is under a bit of pressure um, something else needs to compensate so if you've been through a natural delivery and there has been stretching of the pe- of the pelvic floor muscles and maybe possibly a tear and some stitches that's not going to be working as perfectly as it once did. Now it can get better with some rehab. And likewise, if your abdominal muscles aren't working the way they should be because the gap and the tension in the middle is still a bit off, that's going to put pressure on your back. So it's very common for people to have back pain. You also have to take into account that you're probably doing stuff one-handed, you're carrying a baby, you probably have a big baby bag like Mary Poppins on one shoulder (laughs) you might be wearing a baby carrier all the time because the baby just won't settle unless they're close to you um 
you're sitting a lot more in dodgy positions to give the baby either a breastfeed or a bottle feed. Um, you might be sitting up slouched in the bed at night to feed the baby because it's just such an effort to get mm. out and sit in a proper chair. Um, you might be going for long walks with your buggy, but maybe the handle of the buggy isn't tall enough for you. Um, so there's lots of reasons why you can have bad posture and back pain. Um, a lot of it is to do with hormones as well. You've got such a fluctuation of hormones in your body during pregnancy and postpartum that kind of allow for a little bit of softness. So um, people might notice that their shoe size goes up a little bit because their ligaments spread in their feet or they might notice that they have to go. Yeah, um, I heard that actually. Yeah, or their bra size might go up. Not necessarily the cup size because that will be dependent on breastfeeding, but the 32, 34 the, like the the circumferential measurement will change mm-hmm. some people their rib cage can expand up to four centimeters so there's a lot of changes in your body so and it happens quite rapidly like you it takes nine months to grow a baby but then suddenly it's taken out and your body is in this big state of change so very very common to have these problems okay um, staying mobile staying flexible doing some exercise is really a good idea but also looking at your your lifestyle are there things that are contributing to the problem okay um i suppose manual handling and that kind of way i think as nurse known from nursing i know we kind of tend to skip steps you know so maybe would it be a bit of that as well yeah yeah absolutely like being a mom is a full-time job you are busy you have a million things on your to-do list and a lot of the time you were doing that one-handed carrying a baby and that's very awkward for your body but you do what you have to do exactly and is any exercise in particular would it be pilates i've heard pilates is good for the core or yoga or what would you think on that yeah absolutely i would definitely recommend pilates Mm -hmm. um but i would be very careful about who my teacher was not all Pilates or gym instructors are equal when it comes to pregnancy and postpartum. Um, a lot of people, they're not taught about diastasis or pelvic floor or how um, breastfeeding affects a woman. And there's certain exercises that just aren't appropriate. Um, okay. Now, to be fair to the, the Pilates instructors or the gym instructors, you don't know what you don't know until you know it. So they don't realize that they're putting women in positions of discomfort and probably giving them injuries. So I would really seek out someone who's very much pre and postnatal trained, um, that they have a real good idea of what's going on in the woman's body when it comes to Pilates and yoga. The other thing I would recommend is getting in the water. It's you're very supported in the water. You are in a real kind of safe environment in terms of impact um it's a really nice kind of return to getting your body to exercise um in australia it was kind of like your number one thing that you would go to you'd start doing your mother and baby postnatal classes and it was lovely it was a really great way okay um right that's that's that answered anyways that question um that will help a lot of people because i think people always wonder and then I don't know as if we don't have the time or I think people think it's maybe a silly question, but it's great to have you here now to talk about these things um, that we might get the chance to otherwise. Now, just going back to there, you mentioned earlier on, another thing people probably don't talk about much is um, you mentioned cracked nipples mm-hmm. um, after breastfeeding. 
um, do you want to talk a bit about lactation and breast health? Yeah, so I think, again, I, I feel like I'm comparing to Australia a lot, but no, okay. Australia was a very <laughs> breastfeeding friendly country. There was yeah. a lot of support out there. You would find, say, in shopping centres, there would be a breastfeeding room. So there'd be a place where you could change your baby. There'd be a microwave to heat up food or heat up a bottle. There would be chairs nice comfy chairs that you could sit down and breastfeed your baby there'd be a little play area in case you had a toddler with you and likewise it'd be in the airport anywhere you went it was very easy to sit and feed comfortably and then you come over here and there's just a change in area there's nowhere to even sit Mm. down to give a bottle never mind to breastfeed Um, and I find that's really tricky for people who want to breastfeed and who want to get out into regular society again but they might not be quite so comfortable about breastfeeding in public. There's nowhere for them to go. And that really socially isolates them. So then if they're suffering from things like mastitis or cracked nipples, it's very hard to just get out and pop the baby on the boob comfortably. It takes a lot of positioning. And, you know, if you have a cover over your baby, it's quite difficult to get the baby latched on. So just to know that there's treatments available, like crack nipples and mastitis are two of the biggest factors for a woman to give up breastfeeding. Um, and they're probably more common than we think. 100%, yeah. Like at yeah. least, uh, the research would say like between 20 and 40% of women will have mastitis at some point in their breastfeeding journey. And it can hit you like a bus. Like you can feel fine one minute and then 10 minutes later, you've got a really hard red area on the breast. You feel like you've got the flu. You've got a temperature. You've got shivers. Um, it's really horrible. And just some ultrasound treatment on the breast can really help with that. And likewise, the cracked nipples is just horrendous. Like you feel like you, you dread the next feed because of the pain you know is coming. But yet you have to feed your child. So just doing a little bit of laser on the nipples can heal them up so quickly like three days and they're good as new again um both of those treatments are just so beneficial like there's certain treatments that your patients are like oh my god I could kiss you and they are two of them they're like you've just changed my life oh my god so to know it's available is brilliant but that's a huge statistic Suzanne 20 to 40 percent of people and it just is not talked about no um and you do the treatment in there do you the laser uh yeah or where is it from? yeah I don't do it in the hospital but I do it in the private practice in Pimaris so um yeah and it's really quick it's like 20 minutes treatment some um education and advice see them probably for three days in a row and then they're good as new okay and is there anything you can do to prevent it in the first place from happening or, or is it just the look of the draw no definitely there's a lot of preventative things so okay. things that would make you more likely to get mastitis is that you're not draining the breast appropriately so you need to really fully empty the breast so that the milk isn't sitting there with each feed um feed equally off both sides so like say let the baby drain the left breast completely and then the next feed go on to the right side Um, make sure you're not wearing anything that's really tight um, like an underwired bra or a really tight sports bra because compression of the milk ducts can block them Okay. Um, like there's a whole list of things and then 
likewise with the cracked nipples there's generally a reason for that and it's probably that the baby's latch isn't perfect the baby might have a tongue tie it might have like a recessed chin maybe just you haven't got the latch quite right I would say between me and um, forming a good relationship with a lactation consultant you will get a much happier breastfeeding journey so um, finding your local lactation consultant is just essential if you're a breastfeeding mom and you're having problems Okay, and this would it be more common to happen on the first pregnancy, or could it be the second? It might turn up, and or could you just happen all the time? Um, no, because every baby is different. So, yes, you could have mastitis or cracked nipples for each child. Um, you do tend to learn a bit quicker, like if things are going wrong with each subsequent child. Like your first time, you're just shooting in the dark. It's quite a blind journey. Um. And it just depends on your breast anatomy. So a lot of people will say if they get mastitis, it's always in the same side, in the same location. So it might be just something to do with how the ducts are flowing underneath the skin. Um, it's it's kind of variable, really. Okay. It's, um, I'm just glad to know that there's something that can be done for it because it's it just sounds horrendous for anyone going through it. Through it. And I'd hope that people would you know not be embarrassed and if it is something that's an issue for you to go out and have it seen too yeah absolutely and it you know if it gets to the point where it's quite severe um you can end up with an abscess so then they have to go into the hospital they have to have it drained they're on iv antibiotics like you really go through the ringer if you don't address it quickly enough so it would maybe take the australian approach to it rather than the irish approach absolutely yeah (laughs) Um, Suzanne, is there any recurring or kind of surprising um, trends or issues with your clients coming into you that you feel maybe people wouldn't be aware of? Um, that's a lot more common than people think in any, you know, be it pelvic floor or uh, breast issues. Yeah, I would say the biggest thing I notice with patients is they might have urinary symptoms so or they have prolapse. But one of the biggest contributing factors is that they have constipation. So if you have a patient that has um, a very full bowel and they're not going to the toilet regularly enough and it's really hard um, and they're having to strain and work really hard for it to come out, they're putting downward pressure through everything. Um, So that's increasing their risk of problems with their bladder um, and their internal organs because everything just lies so close together. Mm -hmm. Um, But also our bowel is designed to be empty and that allows the bladder space to fill up and empty appropriately. But if you've got a lot of stool sitting in your bowel for two, three days at a time, that's taken up space that your bladder would usually have to fill And then that can give you symptoms of feeling like you're having to run to the toilet all the time and you're absolutely busting to go simply because your your bladder just doesn't have enough space to fill the way it would like to. And the same with kids. A lot of people would say, oh, you know, my child is wetting the bed. And then I'll ask about their bowel symptoms. And they're like, no, 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 it's, it's their bladder, like they're wet in the bed. And there's a guaranteed link that if you solve the bowels first that will solve the nighttime wetting in a huge proportion of your children that I see okay so if you were someone that was prone to urinary frequency it actually might be an issue with the 
constipation as opposed yeah um, the urine yeah. okay yeah that's definitely i don't think that um is well known no and like so many people would say i've always been like this it's i've been like this since i was a child that's just my normal i only go every four days and you know i just pass a huge bowel movement but i have to really strain to take it out that's not good for your system like that's four days worth of waste product that your body is soaking back in and making it drier so it's you know bringing toxins into your body making you sluggish making you tired ideally we want people to go for a bowel movement every day if they can Mm -hmm. um and try to have it nice and soft so make sure that you have plenty of fruit and veg in your diet add some flaxseed in and drink some prune juice before you go to bed massage your tummy have a cup of coffee before you have your breakfast in the morning to try and stimulate your gut um, don't rush to have a poo um, women that have kids are notorious for going oh Jesus I just don't have time to do this right now mm-hmm. and then the moment passes and another day will have gone by so it's very 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 important it's your gut instinct for a reason like it's such a huge part of how your body functions okay so keep keep the kind of the high fiber and the bowels moving mm-hmm keep a regular and yeah. that could save other issues down the line yeah absolutely the other thing i would say is irish people drink loads and loads and loads and loads of tea and we're becoming a real coffee nation drinking coffee drinking nation as well um, and caffeine is lethal for people who have real urgency to go for a wee so they feel like they are busting all the time they can't get to the toilet quick enough and then they might leak if you change to decaf even for a week Barry's tea and lion's tea taste exactly the same decaf um see if the urgency reduces and it tastes exact same oh yeah like I used to get mom to post decaf tea out to me in Australia okay I'm going to try that Suzanne and I'll I'll get back (laughs) to you and see how I get on yeah (laughs) um I just want to ask you now before we finish up about you recently were involved in the empower program can mm-hmm. you tell us a bit about this, this initiative? Yeah, so it's um, there's two parts. So I'm currently on the second part. I did the Empower Start program um, when Fionn was a baby. So he came with me because I was breastfeeding and I just had to bring him everywhere I went. He was like our little mascot. And <laughs> it's, when I did the Empower Start, it was through the local enterprise offices in Galway, Mayo and Roscommon. It was kind of run out of GMIT. There was a lot of funding from the government um, and from Europe. And it was for women who are starting their own business. Um, You didn't really need to have a set idea. You didn't have to be in business. It was just to really get you started. And it ran for a number of weeks. Maria Staunton was the lady who coordinated it. And she was just fantastic. But there was a range of speakers on marketing and sales, knowing your target customer, how to do social media, your basic taxation. It was just a real kind of get your business up and running 101 course. Yeah, I would highly recommend it to anyone who has any, even at the tiniest little notion of a business idea. Um, for the, the learning that you get from the people the like the experts but also from the group of women that you become very friendly with so that becomes your little cheerleader team and everyone's in the same boat trying to 
you know, start their business. Now, all the businesses were completely different, but, you know, you might meet, say, like a really good accountant that you could pass the details on to somebody or there's always a question that can be answered. Um, yeah, next networking and that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Sorry, go on. Yeah. And then the next part is the empower growth. So um, this is kind of a little bit more selective. So there was over 75 applications and they whittled it down to 14. And luckily I was one of the ones to be picked. And this is where they really focus in on growing your business. So we meet once a month online at the moment. Hopefully we'll get to meet each other face to face properly. Yeah. Um, and the idea is you have a target in mind. So we've all set our target for where we're going to be in May 2021 with our business. And we have to break down all the jobs that we need to do, both major and minor, over the next 11 months to get to where we want to be. And it might be expanding the business, getting a new premises, developing a new product, um, putting something online, whatever it is for your individual business. And again, you're guided and mentored by real experts in the area. Um, and it's all for women again funded by the local enterprise offices and um, they've expanded it as well to cover Donegal and Sligo um, and Leitrim so it's real kind of west north western and western seaboard and it's amazing to see the different businesses that are out there and the women that are behind them it's just brilliant and it's lovely to be I suppose it keeps you accountable when you're you know you're in that yeah. group and it's it's different because it's not just physios it you get to see how other pe- people run their businesses as well so it's yeah. all very helpful I'd imagine yeah absolutely um like the women really become your little cheer squad and you know you're you know the other person's business so you're kind of on the lookout for something that might help them or any kind of advice that you could give to somebody else and they'll you know reciprocate so it's just such a nice group and like that the accountability is brilliant because it's very easy to just fall into the pattern of keep treating patients keep treating patients without any real kind of plan in your head about where you're going so it really does give real clarity to what you see your business becoming yeah and it's helpful because you are health you know that's your career Mm -hmm. but you also have your own business so you have to do I suppose the two sides of it yeah so I'd imagine it helps balance it out yeah absolutely for guidance I would always say treating the patients was no problem I can treat a patient in my sleep (laughs) but running a business and paying taxes and you know all that sort of stuff I hadn't a clue but both of these courses have just sorted it all out for me and Suzanne I have to say I'm so glad I got that message to ask you on the podcast (laughs) it was so insightful and I'm looking forward to hearing the feedback from it you were brilliant Oh, it was my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. I've really enjoyed chatting to you. Not at all. Suzanne, would you, if you people want to catch up with you online, where is the best place to find you? Um, Probably on Instagram or Facebook. So if they want to send me a message on Instagram, it's anatomy underscore physiotherapy. Um, I'm based in Clamaris, so I'm quite central. Um, And if they need to book an appointment, they can pop onto my Facebook page. And there's a book now button there. And it's Anatomy Physio on Facebook as well. That's brilliant, Suzanne. Look, thank you so much for coming on. Not a bother. Thanks, Maria. Thank you. Thank you, Suzanne, so much for coming on tonight. 
I learned so much from that episode and I'm sure all you at home will too. If you enjoyed this episode of My Life and Stories, please rate and review and subscribe. And you can follow My Life and Stories on Instagram. See you next week. Thank you.